You were listening to episode 266 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we look back on our favorite games from this year in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So is it an inflation deflation challenge or is it just a recap of an inflation deflation challenge? You be the judge. All right. They'll be the judge. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening. You can find us on the game deflators.com, our currently out of date website. You can find us on YouTube at game deflators, the game deflators, whatever, whatever comes up. YouTube music actually has us too for our podcasts. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Found that out recently. Um, and all the other podcast apps out there, leave us a five-star review. And then you can, of course, find us on social media at Game Deflators on X, at The Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads are like three posts on Threads. So we are, of course, going to be talking about our inflation deflations of the year. Ryan and I will be marking out our uh, top three, which really kind of comes out to a combined <laughs> top four, I think is what yeah. it came out to. Yeah. 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 Because... We both had the same. There's multiples. some overlap. There's some overlap. We had some yeah, some fan just, favorites this year. Just a little bit. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started for our recent pickups and what we're currently playing. I picked up nothing this week. Uh, honestly, I, I probably did, but I just can't remember if I actually did pick up anything. Um, but I will tell you, I beat Mario Wonder. Nice. Did not finish the star like the Star Road special okay. area yet. Um but it was Beat interesting. Not a hundred percent. Not a hundred percent. I mean, there's still coins. There's still some of the wonder seeds to get. I still got to hit the top of the flagpole in multiple areas. I will maintain my stance that this game has a lot of shit going for it. Like a lot. It is, it is super colorful, but there's moments where it's like trippy, dude. Like you're going into the final like world of Bowser. And there's this like one place that you have this like half, like this circle, right? That's spinning. And there's like a section cut out of it. And you're trying to, you know, go through and dodge and all this other stuff of it. And it turns into a blue smiling dragon hmm. that carries you through clouds. And then there's another part where like King Boo is singing and you're like floating in space. And I'm like, somebody did some shrooms <laughs> when developing this game. Like there's no other explanation. Like some of the things happening in that game are just like off the walls crazy. Um, but I will say, you know, as far as an entry for like a side scrolling or, or platforming style game and it wasn't like the whole like odyssey or super mario 64 or sunshine type of vibe that you got going for it this was a nice entry into that you know realm of 2d quotations on that uh side scrolling platformer so i liked it overall i think it's worth getting as a mario game is it my favorite no is it super challenging not really but it's a mario game it's meant to be fun it's meant to have a lot of colors and a lot of crazy stuff going for it and i think that if you know you got a family and kids like to play mario games this is a good one this is one to pick up for sure nice so yeah and i do like the the talking flowers as yeah well. you do yeah the talking flowers are kind of interesting like they just say stupid stuff along the way and funny things and comments that you're just like that's so off the wall, like not normal Mario, which they was just kind of, add some extra weird life to. Yeah, already yeah, had a did. weird place. 
for sure. Yeah, that's exactly what it did. And then I will say the final battle at Bowser is pretty cool because it's like this rock stage basically with like flames and smoke everywhere. And Bowser's like, you know, dancing as like these giant arms and a head basically. And you have to, you're basically going to a beat of music to try and hit his pieces essentially to okay. destroy Bowser. So I knocked all of it out. Like the first or the last world, I think there was a few occasions where we were trying to get kind of playful with certain things and we would die occasionally, but it wasn't like the hardest thing we've ever played. Yeah. Right. Like we've played far more challenging platformers uh, than this, but it was good. So I would say overall, in my opinion, I would put this around maybe an eight to an 8.5 out of 10 as far as Mario games are concerned for me. Okay. That's pretty yeah. good. I don't think it was that bad. Yeah. All right. And then also I'm playing Tales. So I got past. Uh, so we went into a city and I'm starting to remember more and more names. So I have Rain in my party. Okay. I've got uh, Colette and then I've got Lloyd and then I have the dude. I forget his name. Genus. What's his name? Genus. No, not Genus. That's uh, Genus sucks. The other one. Um. Oh, uh, Kratos. Yeah. Uh, so Kratos before Kratos was Kratos. <laughs> um. So I have him in there and uh yeah, it's been pretty good. Like overall, I, I was doing the so I learned a little bit while playing the game because I was like, there's no way that this is that difficult of a game. And so I had to Google it. I'm like, Tales of Symphonia difficulty. And so there are people that said, hey, like to start the game, you just got to block. It's really what it comes down to time you're blocking. So I started doing that. So it was battle that I was that I got demolished in the other day. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, let me test this out. So I'd go in, I'd block, I'd get hit with this like these needles coming at me constantly from this dragon creature. I'd go ahead and do three slashes, a special block, three slashes, a special, and just kind of rinse and repeat. Ended up beating it. No nice. issues. All party members alive. So uh, I did a also put a strategy in there. I did reconfigure the strategy for one of the characters. So that character is fully like healing and protecting other members. So they're mm-hmm. constantly throwing out healing spells and I have them as long range magic. So the idea is that they're kind of staying behind while the other three are going in and doing the active like attacking and such. Who, so are you like playing Lloyd basically the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to play Lloyd the whole time. I mean, apparently he's the easiest to play. I'm cool with that. I don't it's need to fun occasionally to switch over to other characters, but like I never did like extensive amount of play time using too many other characters. Yeah. I mean, I don't intend to cause I mean, Lloyd's the main character at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Right. So like, it's been like that for me on, on a lot of games. Like I wouldn't have played final fantasy, for example, seven and, played as red 13 the whole time right yeah. and tried to run around like i want to run around as cloud and the same thing with eight like i want to run around and play as squall and when yeah. i have the party members i want squall in my party at all times like yeah that's just kind of how i've always played rpgs so yeah that's where things are at that um but it's been enjoyable so far um i'm definitely liking it and uh Do you I'm like re- the um i i love the tales how they have like those scenes yeah, the animation you know, cutscenes where you get like a little more insight to the characters and just like these little moments. Yeah, there was one I was running around because I was like, yeah, let me explore this world a little bit. Like maybe there's another town where I can get some items to kind of strengthen up my characters. Right. And then a little thing on the bottom says we're not on a vacation mm-hmm. on the bottom. I'm like, oh, that's basically telling me you're going the wrong way. So I had to loop back around. But you're right. There's like these little tiny side quips that come up with the characters where they talk about like certain things like oh yeah uh, i heard that you were doing like the following in our town blah blah and they just start talking so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool um but yeah i'm liking it it's it's pretty decent you know uh it's hard for me to follow a story sometimes because i'm just in and out of games um 
you know, nowadays, but it's, it's kind of nice. Like Colette and the whole, like her father, you know, who's this like angel or whatever is basically saying, Hey, you gotta, um, go to these different shrines and pray or whatever. And so now I'm on the second one that I have to go to. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I think what I'm going to do is probably read the wiki a little bit and get a little more of that flavor of understanding, like deeper reading as to what I am playing. <laughs> so that way, when I get to those scenes, I'm like, okay, this makes more sense now. Okay. Um, Cause I do feel like early on, I miss some things. Um, and then of course I'm playing magic arenas, uh, still, I hadn't played for about a week and a half, two weeks, but I decided, let me go in and let me play lands because I really wanted to play my lands deck and dude, like that deck landfall? is no, not landfall caves. It's caves. Oh, okay. Like that one that I pulled that you want. Uh, no, that's different. That's cavern of souls. That's uh, it's that's a cave, a... isn't it? No, it is just a regular land that oh. happens to allow you to, um, uh, to, play certain creatures that you call out and then those creatures can't be countered. It's really good for tribal decks. So that's why I want it. Cause I want to yeah. build a couple tribal decks. Um, but uh, no, I've been playing caves and caves is basically like they ramp out. So like I have a card that says search your library for three caves and put them in the battlefield tapped. I have another card. That's like a three drop that says draw a card. If you put a, if identify a cave, if you identify a cave, put it into the battlefield and gain four life and then i can play another cave yeah so I like actually, i did pull another cave i pulled one that like lets you copy a land from your graveyard yeah that one's cool i've seen that one there's another one that you can exile three cards from any library either your own or your opponents when it comes mm -hmm. in and that cave produces one mana of any of those those particular colors so like if they have a blue a white and a black in their graveyard you exile those three cards and now that land can type can tap for blue, white, or black. And that splunking card, the one that's a three drop that lets me identify a cave, all my caves come into the battlefield untapped at that point. Or you all already lands. have all the caves you need? I might have some extra caves. Maybe. I mean, I'll take caves, especially if you got foils. I'd like to foil that deck out. But it's pretty cool. Like, the, And then there's a creature that's like an eight drop, but it's you reduce it by one mana for every cave you have on the field. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I think. And then I have another card. It's like a board wipe that says deal X damage where X is the number of caves you have on the battlefield or in your graveyard. So like it's just tons of caves. And so the idea is like to continue popping out caves, control your opponent opponent's side of the board, and then utilize your caves to find cards because you can use a discover mechanic with a number of the caves. So you can sacrifice them, search for a certain card, and then I have cards that allow me to bring back caves and put them back into the battlefield. Okay. And then things that when caves come into play, they get plus one, plus one counters on other creatures, including caves that are turning into creatures. So it's just a lot of fun. It's a fun little deck. It's quirky. It's it's more considered jank than anything else, but it's it's fun. So I'm enjoying playing that one. Um, so yeah, that's... That has been my week of gaming and magic and everything else. Nice. So uh, I didn't really have any pickups this week. Uh, my friend helped me reflash the memory on my Zelda game and watch. So I updated the games on there. I got rid of Pokemon Yellow and Dragon Warrior Monsters. And I put on a um, randomized version of Pokemon Crystal. And... <laughs> I just beat the first gym and I have a uh a totodile um whatever the second I think it's bayleaf is that the second form? Yeah, Chikorita yeah. bayleaf and then meganium, yeah. Mm -hmm. I got a bayleaf, I got a, a magcargo and I got a uh starmie. <laughs> gotcha. All on like the first two roots. 
and I try to get an Ursarang too. Like I've got all these like evolved Pokemon and I'm just like wrecking shop. It's pretty fun. So nice. That's cool. I also put monster in my pocket on there so that I always have monster in my pocket. You know, I'm shocked that you didn't put that for your, uh, your games. I mean, I'll spoil that for everybody. it because we've done it before. We've done it like twice, twice so <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of shocked that you didn't actually. I have be nothing like, new to add pocket, to the yeah. monster in my pocket until until we get more about the monster in my pocket uh, movie or new universe that they're going to set up. We announced or reviewed the announcement for. Yeah, yeah, nothing new there. So makes sense. Yeah, that's about it for gaming this week. I've been mostly like reorganizing my room and reorganizing my magic cards i did do a draft last night and that was pretty fun i made this uh blue black with like the tiniest bit of mill (laughs) and just not really a whole lot going for it i thought it was doing terrible uh sergio beat me 2-0 he also made a blue black deck and we were sitting right next to each other so no matter what we were just robbing each other of whatever the other person would want damn with every pass but yeah, he beat me 2-0, and then I 4-0'd after that. Like, I I guess it was enough to come through when I wasn't <laughs> just playing piddly little mill-nothings. Did you guys do any any prize support for each other, or you just had three no, packs No, we each? just basically all bought and brought packs. We all had extra packs, but, I mean, at this point, to the most of us there, like, they're worth more sealed because that means more draft. Yeah, that's true. So, like, I mean, I'm just really not opening packs anymore unless I'm drafting. Gotcha. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it's it's fun that way, too, because it's like we did like a crazy chaos draft. I had two of the um, Ixalan packs, and mm-hmm. I was hoping to get like maybe, you know, one of the Jurassic Park cards or something out of there, but nothing. I have yet to open up a box of Ixalan or even a pack. They're in pretty person. cool. There's some neat stuff in there. Yeah. So you I just might. bought all your caves online or you're still just trying to put it together? Oh, I already bought it. It's all done. Oh. The deck cost me $24. So Oh yeah. That's, that's a cheap bad. cheap deck. Yeah, it's a cheap deck. I mean, most decks on average are like 200 to, you know, 350 roughly depending on if you're what you're playing in the meta. Mm-hmm. And I've got burn, which is generally pretty good anyways, and there's some other things I want to build towards. Um but yeah, as it stands right now, Caves is a lot of fun. So I think I'm going to play that next tournament. And that'll be on Friday of next week that I'll play that. So, nice. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, discussion topic was going to be uh, Mario Wonder. I think we should shift it to why hasn't Ryan beat Pikmin? But I, I digress. Oh, it's not the end of the year. It's not. I mean, I but still you have eight days, John. Yeah. We're recording on a Saturday. Days. I could play half an hour a day and still finish in time. You've been saying that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Keeping the tension high. Giving the people, you know, the just to hold on to the edge of that seat a little bit longer. Because, you know, I, they're just gripping, waiting for me to talk about how I beat Pikmin. I would not be surprised if you beat it like months ago and you've just been holding out. <laughs> That'd be actually, actually John, I've beaten all of the Pikmins. That would be like a pleasant surprise, actually, for you to come up and be like, yeah, I didn't just beat Pikmin 1. I beat that like... You know, six months ago, I beat two and three. And I guess four, right? And they're yeah. fourth one. Yeah. All and right. I play the Pikmin Go mobile game. <laughs> and whatever's on the 3DS. I even right. played the remastered versions on the Wii. I don't even know if there's one on 3DS. That would have been great, though. I think there is, actually. Is there? Yeah. Maybe you should play it next year. 
Uh, all right. So we were going to talk Mario Wonder. I think what I'll talk real quick is just hey, my Pikmin. next. Huh? Hey, Pikmin. There you go. On the 3DS. You paid a Pikmin to run around. So the next game I'm going to play is Chia. Okay. So, yeah. So on PS5. So my wife and I are going to play that one. And uh, so, yeah, we were watching a trailer last night. I obviously bought it a long time ago with intentions to play it as soon as I could. And she's excited for it. I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be a great game. You got some nominations. Yeah. Yeah. It won the uh uh the award for indie of the year, I think. Or was it the uh games with feeling or whatever that no, category. I think it won indie debut of the year or something. Indie debut? Okay. Yeah. So well, I don't have the paperwork near me to confirm this, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Chia won because that was I want to say that was my selection. But yeah, so that's our next game. Other than that, I think we're good on discussion oh, games topic. Games for Impact at Game Awards. Oh, I got Games for Impact. Yeah, it probably won some other things at other places. Yeah, but we're excited. So that's about it. Let's jump into your summary of uh, what we're talking about yeah. this week. Yeah, so uh, anyways, this week we are going to be starting off with the Insomniac leak. Uh, it comes with a little bit of another look at a gaming price hike and some future plans for Sony that I haven't really heard anybody else talk about yet. Uh, speaking of price hikes, we also have some Steam keys that are selling for big bucks on the secondhand market. And then we're actually going to close it out talking about China's new regulations cracking down on some pricing over there as well. So it's all about that dollar this week. It definitely is. First one here is PlayStation is reportedly planning on selling games in parts for $50 each, raising overall prices to $80 to $100. And this is Brandon Orselli at Niche Gamer. So basically, we talked about a while back that some hacking group got Sony data, happened to be Insomniac's data, and um, they were trying to ransomware them for like $2 million. And Insomniac was like, well, just screw you guys. We're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And so they leaked a bunch of things, including things like the Wolverine trailer, other games. Um, they Well, gameplay for Wolverine. Yeah, so gameplay for Wolverine, they actually released information about like that it's going to be a, a trilogy of games, I think, revolved around the X-Men that are coming out. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so, you know, a lot of that. But then the thing that I haven't really heard anybody talk about is that apparently in that same leak, uh, there are email communications that say, hey, Spider-Man 3, when it comes out, we're going to sell it in three different parts. The first two parts of the game, 50 bucks each, and then the uh, multiplayer part, $50. So $150 if you want the full experience of Spider-Man 3. And then even increasing prices in 2027 from $80, from a range of about $80 to $100 for a game. Yeah, That's insane. It's crazy. And I mean, especially if you look, there's been some news recently about um the pricing in steam in other countries because it's not the same everywhere what you're paying for a game and to protect people from or the sellers of the games the creators financially they set the price recently in some nations as a u.s dollar amount that way it wouldn't have to be something they adjust all the time because those countries may have a less stable currency and that could affect the pricing. And they don't want people from other countries to VPN in and get these games for less than what they really should be paying based on where they actually live. So that has made games like untenable to purchase in some countries. So if you're looking to jack it up to 80 to a hundred dollars here, I mean, that's going to put a lot of people off of buying as many games i think you're going to see a huge surge in uh piracy and <laughs> i just think that 
I don't know. I well, hate to lean into it, but it's like you could argue that some games are definitely worth like you get that much enjoyment out of a game. Like financially, it would be worth that price for some games, but it's not worth giving the company the satisfaction of knowing that that is the case sometimes because we want games to be as cheap as possible. Well, and so the other thing that kind of comes with this too is like digital only, right? So if it comes to a point where it's digital only games and there's no hard copy used games out there, consider that a lot less money too. Cause I mean, folks like a my game for a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to like, if a, a game I want is coming out digitally, it's a hundred bucks. I might as well just buy old games at yeah. that point. Right. So then what does that do to like the PS five, the PS four, PS three prices, you know, other Nintendo consoles, et cetera. Like I could see prices of those skyrocketing too, mm-hmm. or it just goes to a subscription model. Um, similar to what Microsoft is doing right now. So I think it goes one of two ways if it's digital only, right? You see a massive drop or three ways, a massive drop in online sales um, and sales in general for gaming. Uh, you see a increase in pricing for older titles because well, people just frankly are going to play older games that maybe don't look as bad when you consider PS5, PS4, not terrible quality games. And then uh, you're going to see something potentially like, you know, the subscription services surging at that point because there's more value in having access to all of those games at a one set fee than, you know, having to go out and buy them. So I can see it going any of those directions or multiple at the same time. I mean, it's going to get ridiculous quick. Yeah. That's the one thing that I really see coming out of this. If they're talking four years from now, maybe doing that. I mean, that's going to come in no time. And there's going to be a lot of changes between now and then. Well, and they're anticipating an increase in development costs and increase in hardware costs. Like all of those things are really the the catalyst for it going up so high in in price. EEO cost. Yeah. But the other thing to consider though, is does overall like amount of money that people are making on an annual basis increase as well. And honestly, it's probably a bit of both, right? So it just kind of tracks back to inflation, you know? And if you're going to charge 80 to a hundred dollars, you're probably going to see people buy half as many games. So you're probably not really going to make much more money. Yeah. Or if it's just going to wait for sales, you know? Yeah. Why would I, why would I buy a game at a hundred bucks when I know the next year it's going to be on sale for half that or even like 30%. Buy two, get one. Well, that's assuming it's $100 game for free? Hell yeah. (laughs) That's, oh my God, that'd be great. But that's assuming though that like it's not digital only at that point, that there's used copies. So uh, talking about high prices though, uh, the disaster zombie MMO the day before is going for big bucks on the gray market. And this is Michael McWhorter on Polygon. So we talked about, you know, the day before and how the fantastic, the developer, not a fantastic developer, but fantastic V developer, uh, basically shuttered its doors after release, essentially like five days after everything was released. And you had some people say, Hey, the game's great. I love it. It's a lot of fun. Totally worth playing. Who said and then that? You, I don't know. There's some people let's go on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter's a mess. It's a shit show or X 45 to a hundred people that are still playing actively. Well, that's because of the returns and everything else that happened. Right. So yeah, there's 45 to 100 people actively playing online on their servers. The issue, though, and uh, this came directly from Fantastic, is they're going to be shuttering the servers down in like January 27. So it's not even that much time to have to play this. 
And there are people online right now selling this game for like upwards 200 to $350 for a Steam key. This is so dumb. Like yeah. this is the, the game doesn't barely work as it is. And there, even the, when it does, there's barely anything to do and definitely nothing worth doing. And with it all going to be over, like, come on, man, it's the holidays. Spend some time with your family or like go for a walk. Do something else. Do not get suckered in. Do not pay hundreds of dollars. This is not going to be like you're not going to increase the value of your computer because you have a Steam key for this. The way you can resell like a PS3 that has or PS4 that has PT on it. <laughs> well, it's true. Uh, but one other thing that's noted, though, is some people are getting it for free. They're contacting the CEO directly. I that, yeah. And the CEO is just straight up like, well, I got nothing else to do with it. So here you go. Here's a key to be able to play the game. So that's kind of interesting. That's kind of cool if you think about it. What I don't get, though, is that if there's people willing to pay this much just to try it, right? And there are people out there who said, yeah, I liked it, or people that bought it, et cetera. And there's some people that said, hey, it's not what I, it's false, right? It's false advertising. It's supposed to be this like open world survival type game or shooter, and it ends up being an extraction shooter. It's nothing like what we had seen. And then there's some people said, hey, I know it wasn't that, but I like it as an extraction shooter. So like, I'm okay with this. You know, but overall, it's not what I purchased. So, I mean, like, as far as I could tell, like, there's people that like it to an extent. If you got 4,500 people playing it, you know, and they're actively playing it. Not 4,500, 45 to 45 to 100. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, 45 to 100. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it baffles me that they just closed, right? It well, seems they, like they're not going to make any money on it. But it seems like there's some sort of demand here, though. No, there's not. 45 to 100 people is not demand. Actively playing a it. giant failure. No, no. Actively playing it. I mean, Well, we don't know what the sales were beforehand. They didn't say what pre-order sales or anything like that I mean, were. they made a bunch of sales, but like, it's just the reason that they had all those returns is because it was a bad thing. Yeah. The fact that yeah. there's still people playing it, like, that's kind of like out of morbid curiosity. Yeah. Or true. to just try to get some internet meme. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of want to play it, but at the same time, I'm not going to spend that much money. Maybe I'll call the CEO. He can hop on the podcast, give like, us a couple keys. You could go back and find tons of old, terrible games. I mean, we've played some old, terrible games, and I'm sure if you were to stream it on Twitch, you would be the only person playing that game. That doesn't make it like a good game that deserves to come back. I don't know. Maybe it deserves a remake, Ryan. Maybe it deserves a remake. <laughs> okay let's go into our third piece here god we're lined up for a short episode this week um so china announces rules to reduce spending on video games and this is uh josh yi at rooters ryan i'll kick this over to you this is your article yeah so i found this today um this seems like some pretty big news it just came out uh real recently china's regulators announced on uh friday december 22nd that they're going to be doing some more restrictions in the gaming industry. Um, we did talk about this, I think, earlier this year or maybe last year, uh, or maybe a couple times over the past. Where a few China times has, over the last three years. Yeah. Progressively started cracking down. I think the last thing we talked about was they were implementing like strict timers for uh, people under the age of 18 to try to combat like gaming addiction. Well, now they're coming at it from a financial aspect and they're actually trying to do something that, you know, I, I think is actually pretty good. And I would like to see some regulation like this come over here, but they're trying to put a stop to some of the most predatory 
uh, practices that they have for monetization. So they're getting rid of like daily login bonus things or, hey, congrats, you just spent money in the cash shop. Here's a bonus. Or you just bought a few things in the cash shop. Here's a bonus. Like they're trying to get rid of a bunch of that. And it's actually had a pretty big impact uh, from what they were reporting. It looks like shares in Tencent uh, tumbled as much as 16%. Uh, and NetEase plunged as much as 25%. Uh, they reported in the article. Uh, so, you know, that's some pretty serious money for companies that are this large, especially coming out of China, where they've been really aggressively investing in other, um, you know, game companies, publishers, studios across the country that we've seen this last year and kind of been talking about as well. So I think that these changes will definitely impact how China is approaching their games domestically but if the rest of the world doesn't catch up i mean with the reach that they have and the amount of investment that they have into other platforms they're still going to be able to take advantage of this and it's not really going to be a long-term setback for them it doesn't seem yeah i'm trying to find within let's see so they said that this recent thing sparked panic investors wiping out 80 billion in market value from china's two biggest gaming companies which is the stock component i could have sworn there was something here that's that talked about um not only the incentive aspect and and removing that but like there was a dollar spending amount that i could have sworn i saw here as well maybe i'm imagining it but it was like you could only spend a certain amount of money on a day-to-day -day oh. basis in gaming uh and the last year, new game proves post restrictions to curb in-game spending. Um, so banning reward features, games are also required to set limits on how much players can top up their digital wallets for in-game spending. So, to, so that's actually kind of crazy as well. Like, you literally cannot put in a certain amount of money. I mean, that makes sense as like a limit. Like, if you can go into Hearthstone or MTG Arena and just like fund unlimited money into your account you know if you at least enforce some type of cap you give those people at least some kind of fighting chance to not get you know just sucked into the hole yeah well i think overall it's pretty interesting i don't like the idea of a government coming in and saying like hey you can only spend this amount of money and you know kind of stepping in to do certain aspects but i i do appreciate the like you know incentivizing certain things right like like you said right maybe it's hey spend twenty dollars we'll give you an extra you know five gold tokens or whatever it is right like that to me is kind of crazy like game trying to bribe me like yeah if you have something advertise it i guess you know like it's fine if you have a shop but my playing the game all of my attention shouldn't be directed to the shop and you shouldn't be trying to bribe me to spend money there like i'm already playing the game that's a bonus <laughs> yeah and like you know honestly like i'd be okay with like a small advertisement here or there in a free game like that you know if it meant that i didn't have to put in more money or even attempt to put in any money into a video game like this if yeah. it's free like i i get it and you want to support it but you spend so much more money in some of these games that are like free free games essentially yeah. uh, magic is one that for sure like i know people spend a boatload of money like if you want to buy tokens or if you want to buy packs that costs quite a bit of money for like these digital cards that by the way they could take away at any point yeah. based on their policies like they have banned cards on there 
or they have like changed the the text on certain cards as well so that way um do they give you it's, some kind it's of better credit for that what's that do they give you some kind of credit for that no so recently they made changes to like some of the historic stuff i think it was um uh what is it the one ring and the uh uh the orcish bowmaster mm -hmm. like they basically made them i mean they're still playable but they made them like in the sense of like the overpowered nature of what they were released as they actually made modifications to the cards text uh so that way it plays differently and with it being changed it actually modifies the the online meta for those specific cards and and those decks they didn't compensate players at all they just said well we reserved a right to do this yeah that's so like, like wizards yeah. And so like yeah, certain bro. things now, if they do ban certain cards, they do replace them and give you wild cards. So you can put it to, like they do true bans on cards, then they do that. But the fact that they could just modify a card and say, oh, well, it was too powerful. So we made modifications. No, you release a damn thing like that. So either offer a ban and just go ahead and give people wild cards so they can get other cards for the meta or, you know, give them some sort of compensation or just don't ban it. Don't yeah. burn it whatever it is. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to there. So, um, I know we got off, off topic there, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. There's a lot going on with this. I'm hoping some of this makes it to the U S some of it. I hope doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, whatever we could do to try to curb the way that it's going in the future. I mean, people are pretty locked in and happy with just like cosmetic, things and i don't think that you know there's really a huge problem with that one thing like i was watching uh skill up put up his last video of the year i think it was he was talking about battle passes and how he's playing like four games that have battle passes in them he's not able to finish any of them you know he doesn't have the time so next year he's probably going to wind up just investing in one battle pass but it sure would be nice if he could get all of the things on those battle passes, but just in a reasonable amount of time instead mm -hmm. of having to get dedicate your whole life to just one game. And I think we're really going to start seeing, you know, as we continue forward into the live service future, I know that uh, we didn't really talk about it, but with the last of us factions basically being killed and there's not going to be a multiplayer there. Sony's kind of reined back. It's 12 to six uh, live service games that it's kind of working on so in the future all of this monetization stuff it's not going to go away it's going to keep coming up so anything we could do to try to protect the people who need that you know out of their games so that it's fair and equitable and people you know don't feel preyed upon by these companies that's I, i'm all in favor of that for sure well, it's not even so much that like people feel preyed upon sometimes it's just that like you said right helping people from themselves, like protecting yeah. them from themselves in a way. Um, and like, I get the side of it's like, no, not every, like not everybody requires some sort of protection or I don't need somebody to protect me. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you kind of do sometimes. Yeah. Right. Cause then that actually makes things harder on others mm -hmm. at the end of the day. All right. Let's dive into our inflation deflation segments or recap thereof of 2023. So this is our top three games of the year. Um, let me kick it off here uh, in terms of episode order. Uh, for me, it was the Vectrix multi-cart. 
so episode 225 is when we talked about this. So uh, the guy's name is Sean Kelly. If you go, if you type in like Vectrix multi-cart online and you happen to have a Vectrix, uh, he's a guy. He's the one that sells these multi-carts and creates them. And this is a hell of a job. I mean, you're talking from, you know, just the shell alone is fantastic in terms of quality. Uh, the art on the actual multi-cart, the boxes he produces, like he does tons of stuff there. Um, better high quality for Vectrix and this particular cart. I mean, this one I think had 53 games on it. And the one that stood out to me the most is Spike. And that's the one where we had like, you know, it's like, hey, Spike. And it's saying yeah. like verbally saying stuff on on the Vectrix. That to me was really cool. I mean, you're playing a vector-based console and you've got audio coming through. Like I just kind of think about if I was, you know, 10, 12 years old and sitting there in like, what is it, 1983, I think is what it came out. Um, and I'm playing this game and like this audio is coming out, it's in my house or whatever. Like that to me is really cool. Right. So a little home arcade setup. Um, so yeah, that one definitely stood out and Vectrix is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, you know, it's a hard to find console. It's got some crazy looking games on it. And I think every time that we play that console, we have a good time. Yeah. Um, Uh, go on, go on. Okay, yeah. My number one for this year, uh, John's number two for this year, spoilers, (laughs) is Returnal. I think that this is such a dope game. Returnal is basically one of the two games that's out that really I would buy if I got a PS5 right away. Like, I, I don't really know what else is on PS5 that I'm just like can't wait to play, but Returnal was a great one. It's gorgeous looking it's super fun i love a roguelike and i can't wait you know eventually to be able to get my own ps5 and just borrow the game from john (laughs) so this one we play you can play it on pc now too but this one we played in episode 243 and it definitely is one of my favorites of the year it's a super difficult game i mean you're constantly restarting uh and just trying to kind of do this thing in a one-shot run and it's just it's difficult dude have you gone back to it at all? I know you were kind of like revisiting it a bit here and there earlier in the year. It's still in my entertainment center. It's one that I hadn't been able to like get back to because mm-hmm. things got pretty busy and I got to dedicate some time to it to, to really get good. Yeah. Um, it's just so hard. I want to say that the trophy for beating the game is like 2%. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's not very high in terms of uh, a win rate on this time. I mean, you're talking like six or seven worlds and you have to go through and, and one run. This isn't like a, hey, you get to the second world and now you can start here and you can save here. Like now you keep going from the start of the game and then going through all the way to the end. So, yeah, I mean, in total, I say you should put about 25 hours into it. And I think a lot of that is 25 hours into learning the damn game and figuring it out. Like, it's just it's pretty tough. Um, So for my number two, that was that one. Number three for me, which is your number two. And this was on episode 261 is Pocky and Rocky Reshrines on the Nintendo Switch. Now, this game was released on other consoles as well. We, of course, played it on the Switch, and I had a blast. I mean, this is a side-scrolling shooter, and it really takes place in, like, feudal Japan with all of these different legendary creatures uh, that you're fighting and and going through these different levels. Uh, For me, it's like the colors of this game and the actual gameplay were stellar. Like, they were above and beyond what other games that we have played during the course of a year especially in this type of genre um, we're able to provide so for me this was like a must buy 
And I will say um, also for my three, I don't know about your three, at least two of yours are the same. Uh, all of these we considered deflated over the course of a year. So all three of mine. So these were like a, hey, it's worth more than what you're actually paying right now. Yeah, let's see. Um, I, I think Pocky and Rocky was definitely uh, a game that I had always wanted to play. I'd seen, you know, reviews online of it in the past some video reviews on YouTube and it always looked like a fun time. And then the reshrine just did so much visually to kind of give it that uplift and added so much extra content, seeing people that have reviewed and really gone through all the effort on the new one. Uh, it definitely looks like one of those games that just has so much replayability to it. And I really think that it is one that I would love to actually go back and probably either purchase or at least, you know, team up, and play through it at some point because I just love that, you know, style of Japan and that era, but also with like the cutesy yokai and everything. It's just, it's a great game. I, I really enjoyed it. Definitely yeah. one of the tops for me this year. And uh, before we get into your uh, number three here, of course, you know, listen back on those episodes to get our full review on each of these games. We're not going to sit here and redo it. We're going to have you go listen to it and what we <laughs> talked about before. So enjoy that and our pickups of the year. Uh, Ryan, number three for you. So the last one for me was Mario Golf Advanced Tour. Uh, you know I love my GBA and any chance I get to bust that boy out, I'm always happy to do so. And this is just like a great you know, interesting RPG slash sport game with Mario elements. And uh, it's just got a really vibrant, you know, GBA art style where it's got so much, so much more than I always give it credit for. I'm always so impressed when I go back to the GBA and I see things like this or Golden Sun and just like how much they were visually able to push everything forward on such a, you know, quaint little <laughs> handheld device. Um but this is another one of those games, tons of depth, tons of stuff you can do in it. It's got just so much that I think really captured me. And I really wish that this was a game that I had played back when I was younger and I was spending so much more time on my Game Boy and I didn't have as many options. And uh, I really think I would have clicked with it a lot more back then. And it's probably a game again, I will all, all three of these games I think I picked because these are all ones I would definitely go back to and would love to play more of in the future. Yeah, Mario Golf was definitely one that I enjoyed as well. It, of course, didn't make the cut for me here, but uh, I am Price a big Tunic fan. Didn't. Which one? Tunic. You know, actually, it was between Tunic and Pocky and Rocky for me. Okay. And I didn't choose Tunic because it was just so recent, and I haven't had a like time to like dive back into it. Yeah. But yeah, Tunic was definitely like... Tunic I would builds. Say it would have been a tie. starting Tunic off is not like the greatest... Yeah, it would have been a tie for me, to be honest, like with number three. So I just I had to choose one. Uh, but Mario Golf is one that I definitely enjoy. And I love me some golf games, actually. Like, I don't mind playing golf occasionally, like just at least hitting it off the tee and such. Mm -hmm. And putt putt, I guess, if you want to go that far. But I love me some golf games. I don't yeah, know what it is. It's you just... should play Golf Story. I know it's, it's on the That's list. I, I also have um, uh, the golf RPG one, or it's a different one. It's like uh something golf and vr i don't remember the name but i, I have another one and then hot shots golf is one of my favorite uh, franchises as well uh well 
I think that's about it. You played Mario Golf on episode 244. I don't know if you had mentioned that it. That one was so. just right also. Yeah, that was just right. So um, really, I mean, we took our games that we were like, hey, these are definitely worth it. And I didn't look at these, by the way, to determine, oh, was it just right? Was it, you know, inflated or deflated? I just chose what I felt were like my favorites. And then mm-hmm. they just happened to have been also the ones that were like, hey, this is a great value. Yeah. Overall, I think that we had some pretty good games this year. We had some pretty bad games this year, too. Like Kingsley's Adventure. And uh, yeah, that was a rough one. Tenchu Z was hard. Tenchu Z was fun, though. Uh, Dewey and uh, Dewey's Adventure and Uniracers were definitely not at the top of my list. We Um, talked to some cool people this year. Yeah, we actually this isn't really like our end of year, but we'll we'll do one more. We'll actually know it. The next episode will come out on the first. Yeah, this is our end of year episode. Oh man! Well, hey everybody, thanks so much for joining us for another year of the Game Deflators. This is what like five years now. I think roughly, yeah. Um, I'm just looking up the statistics right now because I'm kind of just curious uh, if we increased our listenership this year like what percentage every year we've actually grown which is kind of cool so always appreciate everybody listening but if you're uh, telling your friends by word of mouth and they're listening too thank you so much i mean you know there's only so much you can really push online for stuff and i am not a social media person so you don't ever see much of that but we really appreciate it we're just doing this for fun and we hope you guys like you know getting some news getting some gaming insights checking out some prices of some games with us every week i i will say our listenership this year increased 4.1 percent. nice that's gains that is gains and that is i mean every year like i said we've gained in listenership which is always fun um yeah so i'm I'm just looking at it and uh, we've had some nice spikes over the course here. April is a huge month for us. December has been a pretty good month for us as well. So uh, definitely excited to continue talking games and the people that are listening. We, uh, we appreciate, well, we appreciate your time, especially our friends at the Isle of Man. <laughs> I, I'm still, I think it's crazy when I, I just look at that. I'm like, some of the places that we have listeners is fantastic. Or I mean, people Canada, using VPNs. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. Am I, I don't know. Isle of Man is pretty straightforward. And in Australia, we've actually had our Australian friends comment at us before. So comment again if you're listening. Um, but definitely appreciate it. All so, right, everybody. You have a safe and happy holiday and a new year. We will see you in 2024. We'll see you on January 1st. You'll be hearing us. All right. That's it. Game Deflators 2023 out.